This machine kills fascists. skateboarder named Zero Wasabi. And he wore flip-flops. That's how I eat my sushi, actually. <laughs> Zero Wasabi? Me too. <laughs> Me too. I like the ginger. <laughs> but I'm not crazy about I don't know wasabi. why. It was a very, like, good, it was a good name for a kid that age making a skateboard It makes complete sense. You're yeah. like, yeah, Zero Wasabi. Just wears <laughs> flip-flops. And, like, usually, like, tidy whities or something. Oh, you so you were like the I'm gonna make a crazy guy. Yeah, just go- yeah, just crazy. Yeah, crazy I tried guy. to make mine like look as much like me as possible. No, I made mine. He had like <laughs> tattoos and stuff, you know. Where I was like, yeah, that like it's gonna be me someday. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be crazy guy. So where do you think you landed on that? It was very jackassy. That was the era. It was definitely the era. Yeah, that's when I remember running around with buddies like in high school, and we were like, we're just gonna film ourselves being stupid. Oh man, to have a camcorder at that age. Going to go to Walmart and stuff. Act a fool. Mm hmm. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And then we like, I remember our teacher gave us a song about like prepositions, and we just went and made Act a Fool of Walmart while singing the song, and then tried to turn it in and showed it in front of the class as an assignment. <laughs> she was like, get the fuck out of here. Shit. How old were you? It's like, probably. Freshman year or something. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I did, you know, the all the videos that we turned in, especially the later in high school, they're really, really some tight pieces. I should have known back then that that was the way to go. We did good, good stuff. Back good then. stuff. Any I, that was like uh, I remember in plenty of classes when a project was due, like the hands going up, like, can we put in a video? <laughs> it's like, will you take that? Yeah. <laughs> If you got the thumbs up on that, you're like, fuck yes. I'm, I know I'm getting an A. I'm sure that's so <laughs> common nowadays for kids. Oh, yeah. Think of how quickly they could do it. They could do it before classes up. And they're like, we'll give you extra credit for learning how to edit. Sure. You know? Sure. That's a useful skill. Sure. Not like reading. Yeah. Do it in one take. <laughs> Come on. Killing it, Billy. <laughs> you get an A. <laughs> the rest of you who wrote it <laughs> by hand. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Times are changing, man. They are. Times are changing. Huddle up, everybody. Oh, we're, we're so back. <laughs> we, were, we were waxing. We're waxing poetic here at Hot Little Takes. We're turning into wax. I can't remember what we have to talk about and what we Nothing. lost or what so we didn't lose. This is, this is one of those, uh, this is one of those episodes. It's one what? of those, it's a quilted one. It's a quilted episode. It's right. made of scraps. Very well put, Mike. Yeah, this is like, this is a rarities and b-sides uh, EP that you get, you know? Yeah, just to check in with you guys and be like, how are you doing right now? That's absolutely true. The back end of this podcast will be a conversation Mike and I had about Nomadland a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, which is still relevant. It's still, yeah, absolutely. I don't think most people have even bothered to look at it yet. I, I, it seems like people are watching that movie, but more people should watch that movie. Because the last episode we did was uh, two days before the Golden Globes, 
And so we did predictions now. That's That happened two weeks ago, so... Were uh, we right about anything? Uh, some things. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the Golden Globes. Shots to... Sorkin bo- had a bunch of ladies. <laughs> yeah, dude, Sorkin. That's one of the it was funniest... Just Sorkin surrounded by ladies. The, the, the Zoom... Award show is one of the strangest. Things I should have watched him for that because I yeah. I was excited to see how that kind of thing went. To see down. how everyone curates their little yeah. box. I'm, that they're gonna be I've in. just seen the. You've given me the highlights. Yeah, and the highlights in terms of that were definitely Sorkin and Jeff Daniels and uh, Anya. Oh, yeah, so, so to her and Jeff Daniels are like kind of the... Antithetical. Uh, yeah, because Jeff Daniels was in, was a, in like a polo in like a room that seemed like it was just closet doors. mustard stains. <laughs> yeah, he's like... <laughs> I'm playing darts alone in the basement by myself and I really need to get back to it. Uh, and Anya Taylor-Joy is, is like this like one kind of single beautiful lamp and like her hair is... She was like in a gothic yeah <laughs> like they had uh, a they had a five film students behind the scenes <laughs> yeah it was very like interview with a vampire <laughs> she looked great she looked great that and that one was something else but they were both again alone some people would have their spouse or like they were holding their dog or something or Aaron Sorkin women. was in a room with like 11 women <laughs> Who looked like Anya Taylor-Joy. <laughs> yeah. It was so... I'm assuming that some of them are family members, but I... Yeah, his, that was crazy. his wives. <laughs> Sorkin, the man with the lips. Sorkin is actually Mormon. I didn't know that. That would be so funny. That's well, his business. You know? You're right. You're right. That's what I said about Bill Clinton when he got his blowjob. I was like, I don't know what their marriage is like. It's none of my business. I was eight. <laughs> just reading the paper just keep your i think everybody should mind head. their fucking business we don't know what they get up to this is my swinging period and he's like i'm late for work yes <laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff i i liked the borat one the comedy sasha baron cohen one it won over hamilton yes so Hamilton. I was blew. really dreading a Hamilton win because I knew that that speech, no matter what it was going to be, was going to just be too Drecky. much. It was going to be whatever it was going to be. It was going to be too much. Wow, it's funny because Hamilton only had one shot to get a Golden Globe, <laughs> and fucking, it fucking blew it. Blew it. Pissed it away. Shit the bed. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, it's the same thing. It's the, it's the same shit. It's all the same. Uh, I don't uh, about the uh, the Golden Globes. I don't know. I can't remember what the other kind of big shocks of the night were. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis came in through the roof. <laughs> he was he pretended to be a phantom. He was all night. He was playing COVID. Oops. And he <laughs> got up in everybody's business from the Hollywood Foreign Press. <laughs> he climbed into their lungs for authenticity. <laughs> Uh, that would have been a funny bit. I don't know. But he only killed 10% of them because he's like keeping mm-hmm. it real. Mm-hmm. I don't know. One, well, I don't know. The numbers change depending on whether right. or not I'm looking at my Cool Ants Facebook page or my Weird Ants <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know. I don't know what that number is either, actually. I don't think that's. Uh, it's like a. It's like a. 
projection. It's like a Nielsen rating. It's hard to it's hard to nail down. True. But enough on that. How about you know? <laughs> how about how about Biden's speech tonight? No. No. Okay. Never no. Mind. Uh, I, we can talk Jeopardy, I guess. Jeopardy's. This has kind of been a rocky week. Well, since the last time we recorded, we've also had uh, oh, Michael Richards. Ridden. Michael Richards was hosting after Kent, mm-hmm. and he was great. Yeah, yeah. Michael uh, Richards made a real comeback. <laughs> I still, I mean, it obviously just begs consideration if if it was Michael Richards of Seinfeld hosting Jeopardy hosting SNL's Black Jeopardy oh my god <laughs> would that would that make SNL better if they did that sketch would that be like whoa what is happening yeah, I don't think they got the I don't know if they got the writers for that I don't know if they do either you know I told you that you'd I, have to like revive Richard Pryor to like do that right to pull it off yeah I want the the Joe Jonas episode, one of the recent ones, was actually of the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, he was the host for some reason. Okay, that episode was actually pretty, like mild to okay the whole time. Hmm. It was never hysterical, but it was never like. Ugh. So things are getting. Because so things are improving over at SNL, is what you're telling me. Well, they. This is what seems like it happens every year: is that they just start off terrible. They have one good one, and then they do six consecutive ones where, like, almost every sketch and every line just goes splat. Sure. And it's, like, is, and, they, it's, and it's, like, to an overwhelming extent and how bad it is. And they're still doing, like, the limited seating audience and yeah, all that. Yeah, which does help. I guess. Can you imagine trying to watch a live show where, like, six feet around you in every direction no one is allowed to be? Eh, yeah, I mean, I've done a bunch of weird crap this whole time where you're like... That's true, that's you know, true. I feel like I've adjusted to the adjustments everywhere else, so... I still haven't been to the movies or anything, but... Well, that's something we've got to get going on, because... Uh, as soon as I get this fucking vaccine in me, baby, I'm going to be at the movies watching any shit that is there. Oh, we're going to go see Bob Odenkirk and nobody... Well, there's all kinds of shit I want to see. That Boogie movie, that Eddie Wong guy's movie is out right now. Which one's that? Uh, it's about the like Chinese kid growing up in, I don't know if they're in Brooklyn or if they're in the Bronx, but it's like a basketball movie. Is this the guy from, no, I don't want to fuck up. We were talking about it the other day. He wrote, He's got a show, right? He he wrote the memoir, Fresh Off the Fresh Boat. Fresh Off the Boat. I thought it was the same. Yeah, but yeah, cook, writer. Hilarious guy. Fresh actor. off the boat. Surprisingly funny. He's hysterical. I would recommend any podcast or interview or show you can find with that guy. He's amazing. Actually, I want to go see that, so I need this fucking vaccine. Well, As that's, one, employee, that's one, that's one like reason to, to get it, you know? Totally. Is to get back to the movies. I fear that I will not get it before it leaves this particular town and theaters. But, you know, for the sake of everything that comes after it. Well, as the president said, doesn't mean you're going to get it. It means you're going to get in line. And that's motivating. Because everyone loves lines. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the little Biden chat, but... What about I what about Trump's statement? 
Trump yeah. released a, an that, official statement that was clearly like just verbatim, not even grammar, like grammar wasn't checked or anything. There were a lot, yeah. like, or if it was, they were like, sir. He's like, do it! Let's do it now! You plebe! I have no idea. I, I, wish, I wish he called people plebes. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff about Donald Trump I wish, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what else is on your list? I didn't make a list, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're just spitballing. That's right. We were going to do our staff picks because Mike and I obviously, last time said we're working together now. And we yeah. got Netflix. We got access to Netflix. so And just Netflix. And we've been, and basically, well, we've just, we've explained all this. Uh, so we've been pounding out a bunch of hits mm-hmm. and misses. Yep. Mostly hits. What's the worst thing we've watched? Malcolm and Marie? <laughs> yeah, Malcolm and Marie is definitely the worst thing that we watched at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is it what was it... worse than, like, a, like whatever bad Adam Sandler movie we watched. Right, and we've watched, what is that one called? The Crazy Eight or something? Oh, God, that was, sorry, that was bad. That yeah. movie sucks. Yeah. Sucks the hard. Go- the goofy fucks. Yeah, that movie's not good at all. And really just racist. Like, mm-hmm. so crazy racist. Like, mm-hmm. Rob Schneider, man, what the fuck? I, how yeah. is he not, like, the most canceled man on earth? I, I don't, don't understand. I don't, because Adam Sandler's got that. There's, like, an actual Mexican guy <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> yeah. At least one. Because Taylor Lautner's, like, this guy, I think he's Latino, too. He's mm-hmm. We looked all this up at the time. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Sandler's an. It's Sandler's character I just don't understand at all in that movie. And the whole time I was explaining to Christian how it's a reference to the new Magnificent Seven by Nick Pizzolatto. Right, which is so wild that that's who's doing it. Oh my god, should we talk about Pizzolatto and how HBO says that they might be moving on to True Detective Season 4 without him? Which means he's got to be writing a movie or something. (sighs) Which means they better figure it out. Pizzolatto and David Fincher... Or making a baby or something. Dude, like I would love to see that movie. Did we talk about that? At the it's going to be like a modern Chinatown. Poof. Get the fuck out of here. It's not so, I would love it. I would love every and second it's going to star Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> In a dramatic turn. In a dramatic turn from Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Wow. <laughs> who, would be the, who would be your ideal actor for that? I don't know. For Pizzolatto's first, like, big detective movie. That Fincher's directing? I mean, uh, I don't know. Cop-out answer would say, like, Joaquin Phoenix or something like that. Uh, I just watched Inherent Vice. Oh, that's right! Joaquin's already done it, though. Like, he did it in that. (sighs) Yeah, I guess you're right. You can't use him again. And he's so good in that. How good is that movie? Uh, it's, It's, like... So up my alley. Smoking. It's why it took so long to watch it. Because it's like... Because you knew you would fall in love with it. Well, and I knew it would be the kind of thing where I'm like, I can never make something this good. (laughs) And that I would love this much. You know? Yeah. Well, but you get it to, you know... It's like being a pregnant woman and needing someone's kid and being like, this kid's going to be a better kid than my kid will be. (laughs) 
I don't know if that's an accurate analogy, but maybe, as a as a writer, maybe not dead on, but I know what you mean. <laughs> You're like I do love my. That's like the Bart with Santa's little helper in the. What if Pizzolatto wrote a movie and like Nick Cage starred in it? Okay. And Nick Cage is like, <laughs> I'm back now. Nick Cage and Nick Cage is like, I've paid off my debts, in more ways than one. And now I'm ready to be a mainstream movie star again. Yeah, I'm ready to bring it home. Daddy's home. I think that's happening at some point. It might not be now, and it might not be soon, but I think it's happening. Better him than Mel Gibson, who's somehow getting, like, permission to keep making movies. Yeah. we've Mike and I did dance around, and maybe we will watch this if enough people want us to watch it. The, the Mel Gibson, Sean Penn... Two crazy guys inventing the dictionary together movie. The professor and the mad man. <laughs> yeah. So it's, so the reason Actually I'd be totally into watching that. We should maybe ridiculous. see and see what the deal is. Mike and I watched the all of the battle scenes from Mel Gibson's Smash the Patriot. Yeah, that's right. We just fast forwarded through it because it's a long goddamn movie. It's like three hours and fifteen minutes. But or like the really, first really battle scene movie. is him just murdering the shit out of some redcoats in front of his children who are sobbing and seeing who their father really is. It's his, so his funny. His whole face is just <laughs> soaked in blood. <laughs> and he's just hacking away with the tomahawk. The, like, eight-year-old watching his dad just violently kill <laughs> the kid just people. whimpering. <laughs> it's so funny. Because <laughs> I guess that, so I guess right-wingers are, like, we're trending that movie really hard for, obviously, all the wrong reasons. And guys like me for all the right ones. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta, you gotta. But it's like, give Mel Gibson another shot. <laughs> give Mel Gibson. I just want to see Braveheart in every possible scenario. <laughs> I think it's the passion of the Christ that gives him permission to continue to be who he is. Because Passion of the Christ, I remember that was the most successful movie ever made when I was like in high school. And and I would like talk to people who were like, I've seen it a few times. And I was like, you're fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember pretty pretty vividly when that movie came out. I remember like it being, I remember it, a picture of these like women crying and holding each other out in like the lobby of this theater in Grand Junction was like on the front page of the paper. Cause it, it was like audiences are overwhelmed by the passion of the Christ in the Western soul. Somebody's gonna do something like that again soon. What's it about? I don't know. Something. It won't be the because what was the like Scorsese one with the Def Willem Dafoe. Uh, the Last Temptation, Last Temptation. and that was like yeah. sacrilegious, right? Hmm. Maybe that'll happen too. What else have we watched at work? Uh, well, we watched Big Daddy, and that was a nice experience. We rewatched Uncut Gems. Sure, sure. Cool. We were trying Luke. to just go down a little bit of a Sandler hole, but mm -hmm. those Netflix it dried ones up are, pretty. It the Netflix ones are terrible. They are bad. They're bad. Cool hand, Luke. We cool. watched that. Cool and Lucas fun. I was like, this is a classic. You have to w at least hear some of these one-liners. And you did not like the egg-eating scene. No, that is so vile. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's I like, was truly wretched. That I movie's like, equivalent of like a Clockwork's like eyeball scene or whatever. Sure. Do you want to get into that? So we, put, so we threw Clockwork on tonight. Mike and I have a very different relationship to that uh, 
little piece of piece of life than any than most people anyway. That cute little story. <laughs> that cute little that cute little tale. That little folk folky. <laughs> that Russian folk tale. <laughs> yeah, because we did it. We did uh, a, a theatrical. We did it theatrically. Yeah. The stage adaptation was much closer to the book, because Burgess wrote the stage version that you yes. meshed with them anyway. So that one was, you know, and the movie, I don't know, it's hard to, ex- it's hard to explain, but the movie has, holds such a, such a large amount of real estate in, like, pop culture brain for a lot of people. They've, like, only seen the movie. Right. And, you know, and it's Kubrick, and it's part of this whole fucking, like, mythos of, you know... Tyler Durden guy shit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, people misunderstanding the point. Yeah. Mad Men shit. Yeah. People just like, not getting it. Yeah. Tony Soprano is cool. Yeah. 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 So, our, you know, and like I said to Mike earlier, when I played Alex, I got to play it in a different way because it was like everyone knew the words to all the songs already. Sure. So, like, they would just, like, everyone who was watching it was like, fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> I've read the book and seen the movie, and I love this shit, or I've only done this, and I love this shit, or, like, people were so And, and it has the last chapter that's missing from the movie. Right, which so many people, especially, like, older people that came to see that, were, like, very grateful for. And fans of the book were like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, because it's an important part of the theme. I don't think Kubrick understood the theme of that story. I think he was, you know... He was just I'm making, not going to be like, is Kubrick good? He was but, making something awesome looking. Yeah. But I think that his his whole thing was make... He was more into making something awesome looking than really getting into like, what's this about, man? And that's why all of the authors that he right. translated tend to hate his adaptations. Like, the original version of the play we had done, because I combined like two of the ones that existed and... The one that Burgess wrote ended with a guy with a guy who looks like Stanley Kubrick coming out and playing um, on the trumpet, um, singing in the rain, and then someone shoots him. Really? And it was like unironically like. That's amazing. <laughs> Don't Why you remember? You, I guess I mean maybe maybe very early in that process. It was just so back. silly. Jesus, we should have done that. Because there was one version that was like an opera that he tried to yeah. write. And it was, I remember, and it was crazy. It was crazy. It was real crazy. It was like I remember un- thinking it unstageable. would be. I think it would like be pretty cool if you could stage it, but I would like. We weren't that kind of company. No, we were not a singing company. Nah, not at all. But we were like a loud and violent and yeah. nine-hour yeah. show that would be <laughs> drag you through his face. What was the term? Uh, promenade. Promenade. Yeah, because we had gotten thrown. We literally got thrown out of our theater. Halfway through the production. Through rehearsal. Not... Through our rehearsal process, yes. Yeah. Sorry. And then, like, lost a week, got to move into this, like, two-level bar that was all brick and metal, and it was perfect. Yeah, and, and so we made the audience move... It was great. Um, 20 times, because I think... I and remember it took three and a half there hours. Were th- yeah, there were three <laughs> acts. They were, like, an hour long each, and each act had, like, seven moves. So we'd take everyone down to the dance floor, and that would be, like, an alleyway. And then we'd take him up to this back area, and there was, like, a uh, couch that folded out into a bed that was your bedroom. And, and it just worked. And people loved it. People fucking loved it. I had, like, fucking 15-year-olds with their skateboards and their big ear gauges, like, they're like, I've never fucking been to a play before. Like, this was the sickest shit I've ever seen. 
Yeah, and like <laughs> our philo- and like our theater professors like sitting through yeah. the whole damn thing and being like, that was a hell of a thing. Well, yeah, and like old beatniks and shit that were like, you know, like yeah. in their seventies that are like, I, I, they love it, you know. And the bar loved us for it. And the bar loved us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. People could take milky people shots. Got, people got energy. Those energy was really wild. Because it was so intimate and so crowded. It was wild. You and couldn't then, do that in COVID. No, that was a very was a un-COVID pre-COVID story. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So all that, to, all that said, it wasn't as exciting to watch it tonight. I don't know. I think we're just kind of ruined for it, you know? Yeah. Like, even listening to the music. A lot of movies I'm ruined for. Like, in our version, it was, like, 100% Beethoven. Oh, yeah, you you really took a lot of, uh, you took a lot of gruff with this. Well, just watching the movie tonight, I was like, man, there's so many songs that stand out to me because I just know they're not Beethoven. And we used, like... Exclusively. Pretty much exclusively, and, like, maybe something that was just, like, like, we used, like, um... (laughs) Uh, stuff like pre-show. Like, oh yeah, there was like death grips. Death grips. Yeah, yeah, shit like that. But that was setting the tone for the. Yeah, we were room. like, this is fucked up and futury and yeah, avant garde. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good vibes. That was a good one. The the pre-show vibes were important. There was a guy, one of Mike's friends. <laughs> no, it was just some kid that I talked to. Oh, you didn't even know that guy. He came up to me. <laughs> yeah, because I was I was directing. You were playing Alex. And he came up to me, like, during one of the breaks when I was smoking or something and was like, I didn't realize. Here, you go ahead. Well, this, like, so we would walk out, you know, it started in the room of, like, 50 people or whatever. And the four of us, droogs, had to, like, get into our places. And if someone was, like, sitting in the chairs that we needed to be in, we would... Give them a bunch of shit. We would, at first, like, try to bribe them with the fake money that we had to get the fuck out, because that's a pretty good uh, indicator for an audience member that they're, like... <laughs> this is a person who's in the show. Yeah, they're like, that's fucking candy money. What the fuck is that? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> these guys have, like, fucking eyelashes. And yeah, all you know, and, like, that, that worked, like, nine times out of ten, but this one time, this and it actually happened a couple times. Because uh, they were drinking, too. Sure. Well, and sometimes it was people that we knew, and they would be like, "No, sure. fuck you," and we'd be like, "No, we're gonna get really crazy, fucking." Oh, okay. We know you now. <laughs> yeah. But this kid, we didn't fucking know at all, and he was like, "No, fuck off. I'm sitting here." So we all like pulled out like our fucking switch switchblades, and we're like calling him names and shit to get him out of there. <laughs> and he was like, he like walked away, but he was apparently like fucking really pissed because he i didn't see our like silly ass i mean we weren't just he thought I we think, weren't dressed like the i think in the he movie. thought that you guys were like fans who were there and just being really aggressive yeah he just thought we were a bunch of fucking you thought you were in the audience yeah just a bunch of weirdos and then when i got up and started the thing he apparently was like oh oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the whole illusion he worked on him he, like he went from being like I don't like this guy. He's a dick. To being like, oh, that's the guy I came to see because uh, it's a story. Yeah, and he's like, he's oh, this dick. guy's such a piece of shit. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's Alex. Totally. I love it. <laughs> like, And he was so into it. Yeah. Yeah, and he talked to us for like 10 minutes after the show. He was like in love with it. The whole thing like worked on people who weren't theater people. It was Which incredible. Which was something we liked to do. 
Which is the hardest thing to do. It did the it did the thing that, you know. Can we bring in a younger audience that like actually did? That's why I was always trying to ape like, like Good shit like, you know that one we had a literary backbone. So we were, they were like, here's the actual book that it's based on. But also, a lot of people just know this movie and are gonna come see it, expecting the yeah, movie, whatever. and we're gonna give them something cool yeah. that is more and about cool. the book. It was cool. I'm glad we're really fucking blowing smoke up our own asses <laughs> in this episode. Well, you know, it's, you know, we just had to fill, we just had to fill some time. How much time do we have to fill? Ah, I mean, I, we did thirty minutes. Do you want to talk about the other project that we have in the works? I, I think it's too early to do it right now. People know that we're fundraising for uh, my flick, and I'll put the GoFundMe information in this again. But I plan on when we get closer, yeah. we'll do some. Uh, We'll do some pre-production diaries. Sure, sure, I'll sure. I'll talk to everybody. I, I was just trying to push you to do the oh sure do the fundraising. It's on the it's it'll be in the it's in the it's in the link. We've been raising some good money, and we're and we're close. It's slowing down a little this month because of tax season, but we're hoping <laughs> that our funds will be completed soon, thanks to viewers like you. Well, you know, we also just cast the whole thing, so we have. Like seven new bodies. That's like, true. And now we, you have to set out the GoFundMe yes, information yeah, I was too. Say, they, they, we told them all that they have to buy in. It's a it's a multi layer marketing movie. <laughs> and you too can be in this movie, <laughs> provided that you raise two hundred fifty dollars before April first. Follow the links. <laughs> hey. See, we're good at pitching this stuff. That's why we need a, a Patreon, you know? <laughs> Alright, maybe, maybe, is there anything, you got anything else? I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say. We, we have some movies that we plan on watching. We're going to watch Yeah, we got to watch King Judas Kong. and the Black Messiah, for sure. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah, King Kong's coming up. Yep. Uh, uh, coming to America's mixed reviews. Sure. I still want to see Minari. Uh, I don't know where to find it. I would me. advise watching Tom and Jerry, but only if you're going to just fast forward to the parts where it's Tom and Jerry and not all the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Colin Jost sucks. Wow. That's my big takeaway. That guy That's just wild. That guy, that guy sucks. He should <laughs> he should play a character who's like, ha ha, are you gonna compete in the big skiing contest? I was so I watched, I watched that It's Always Sunny the other day where they like go to the ski resort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. I forgot about it. That's the that's the character. That's Colin Jost. Sure, sure. He could do that. Uh, Oscar nominations come out, I think on Monday. Oh. So we might even just need to need to do an emergency pod, and we're pl- we've uh, agreed signed up somehow to do um, a live stream of the Oscars. We'll be doing a live stream of the Oscars. That's April fifteenth. Or maybe or we're lying. Maybe we won't. No, we're doing it. All right. We'll bring. We'll have David Niles on to talk uh, Oscars. To talk betting odds. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the red carpet looks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pitch that to him. Maybe Dave. Maybe Dave will come and do the live with us too. Uh, I was also, you know, Mike. I keep meaning to ask you this because I really want to do one of these, and it, maybe it can be to celebrate the Oscars. I want to do one of the. I told you about this before. I want to do one of these just like gigantic movie countdown list podcasts, where we watch them all. No, no, no. Where we do like top. 21 movies of the 21st oh, century like or something. Oh, like VH1 brings you? Yeah. That's what we'll call it. 
top 50 movies in black and white. <laughs> I really want to do one of those just gigantic countdown lists. I mean, all right. That's why we need to raise some funds so we can pay ourselves to go watch all these goddamn movies, man. Well, there's some lists you can just create from your own brand, but I understand what you mean. I like to take very detailed notes. I know you do. In my head. <laughs> All right. I think we've done enough. So now we'll, we'll kick it over to our conversation about Francis McDormand and Nomadland. Oh my god, I bet the tone's going to be totally different and it'll be a funny juxtaposition to go over to that. Well, hey, now people know that it's a Golden Globe Award winning film, which I think that we were like, Chloe Zhao should win Best Director, right? Yeah. Right? Let's bandwagon. Right. She should. For a movie about bandwagoning. Fuck yeah. Literally. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds, so dark up above. De la matinee. The, the, the piece de resistance. The piece de resistance. So we're talking, we're talking Chloe Zhao's 2020 <laughs> release, Nomad Land, starring Francis McDormand, David Strathairn as Fern, Fern, a woman from. Well, such a good character name. What was the name of her town? Ember. Uh oh shit. Wasn't it Ember? Alpine. I feel like it was Ember, like, because it was, like, symbolic of, like, a... Yeah, like, that's just a crazy... Okay, so... She's from a town that it's... It doesn't de- exist that anymore. That it's just destroyed because the industry left. It was a factory town, as yeah. they are uh, uh, known. Yeah. Really crazy. I mean, the conceit for the movie, anyone that doesn't know it, is that, yes, her husband has died and her whole world is, like, ripped out from underneath her. The town is literally gone. Yeah, she's a smart lady. And she's she, educated. She's yeah. experienced. She's in her forties or fifties, probably. Yeah, and just works gig jobs like up and down, minimum wage gigs like anyone can get, like we yeah. all can get, like we've all had. Mm-hmm. Maybe not some of you, but <laughs> the real humans among us, <laughs> the working class folk. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Living in her van. Mm hmm. Living in. Communities of people who live in their vans. Some of the best stuff in the movie. Nomadic communities. Yeah. Meeting a lot of non-actors. Yeah. Um, who are just st- stellar, interesting characters. And I said to you when I was watching it, like, 
this movie reiterates the fact that like that most Hollywood actors are overcast and don't have that big of a range. Like you can get a non-actor to do a one-scene character. Sure, sure. The lady who's like, "Hey, you know, here's the place to stay tonight if you need to. I don't want to overstep my bounds, though." Right. Like. Right. Or the lady who's like, "Yeah, to stay here at the KOA or whatever, it's gonna cost three hundred and fifty dollars." Or yeah. Like they're one scene. They're just interesting. Mm. They nail it. Yeah, they do. It reminded me a lot of uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which we talked about on the top movies of the year or whatever, because they use a lot of the, like, Planned Parenthood uh, real people employees in those scenes, and it really shows, and it really, like, you know, it adds such a texture to the, to the material. And both of those movies were shot in a very similar... The documentarian thing? Yeah, I, I think the photography in Nomadland is just, like, fucking gorgeous. It felt like you were watching a documentary yeah. a lot of the time. So. Yeah. Because it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have the, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, like, driving detailed plot, necessarily. It is, no. it is more of, like, a tonal poem. I was thinking at one point, like, where's this going? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this movie doesn't know where it's going because Fern doesn't know where she's going. Yeah. And, like, I need to stop looking for yeah. the, you know, the direction in this, because she's just, yeah. she's wandering, you know? Mm. She doesn't know where she's going to end up. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I'm biased, because it's, you know, I love the western landscape, and you so rarely get to see it. Well, that's one photograph like that. That's one thing that's really important about the movie, is, like, it's set out here in, in the southwest, like, and it reflects the culture of that, like, the people. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, people, like, we know, people we've seen, mm. the kind of people who can, like, be old hippies who can still square dance and stuff like that. <laughs> you know sure. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. They'll smoke weed, but they have guns. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That kind of energy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... And I think, and I think that it's gonna be, like, more effective than, like I was saying, even, like, something like Parasite for, like... A, a, a Republican will watch Nomadland and will be like, holy shit, because this right. is, uh, you know, the guy who runs the community says, like, right up front, he's like, this is how the world's going to get worse and worse, you know, and yeah. we see it, we're just trying to be ahead of the curve, and more and more tiny houses and mm-hmm. van dwellers and stuff like that are going to be popping up over the next mm-hmm. decade. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a strange quality for a movie to have that it is going to find an audience a lot. Uh, more readily than any hard left aimed you know political critique yeah yeah because you can't i mean i'm sure plenty of people will watch it and will say that it has an agenda Mm. but like those are probably those kind of people are also so fucking out of touch you know like you and i know people who have who have built a tiny home Mm. Mm -hmm. you know whether just to work and have to travel yeah or like People who are, like, full-out, like, rainbow children dropouts, like... Yeah, yeah. You know? And there's a whole history of that, like, in this country, like, going back to, like, hobos and going to, like, hippie dropout culture and, like, really romanticized it. Yeah. And, And there's something weird, like, about the poverty being, like... Like, she's embarrassed to admit that she lives in her van over and over again, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Mm-hmm. When the guys at the shop are like, you should just sell this thing. She's like, it's my home. Yeah. You know, and that's like not easy to say because we're so trained to be like ashamed 
of that kind of shit. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's a lot, a lot going on in this. Yeah, thing. it's re- it really. I kind of wasn't expect. I wasn't expecting it to. To to carry quite the punch that it did, and I think it is because of just the, the graceful way that it tells the story. You know what I mean? There's nothing. There's no heavy fists going on with it. You know what I mean? No, they don't. They don't really like dwell on anything very long. They'll kind of touch on a, on an idea or a subject yeah. or something. Yeah, you're, I think that is a smart point that you said that the story just kind of moves around the way that she does, and it's, you know, it's unexpected, but nothing nothing's permanent ever. So, you know, you don't have a lot of time to sit and bask in things. You just have to like carry it with you. It's really beautiful and I th- and we both agreed that I think that this is this has got to win best picture. Yeah. Yeah. Especially seeing some of the other stuff that's being considered against it. Like I was sure Mank had it in the bag. Yeah. But, like, this is way more accessible than Mink. Like, this is yeah. something that your conservative uncle will watch. Yeah. Like, and you won't, and he won't think that it has an agenda. You'll be like, no, this is about people who live in trailers. You yeah. Know? They're working yeah. class people. Yeah. And that's something that is romanticized mm. so much, you know, in our culture. And you just don't get to see movies that deal with these kinds of people done with in that style very often. You know, in that very you know, austere, independent, art house way. You know, she did such a good job of, like, making an art house movie accessible to everybody. Yeah, but it didn't drag either. Like, no, it, like, yeah. just when I was starting to feel like it might, yeah, it was over. Yeah, the, you know, right when I was like, oh my god, when, like, how does, how can this movie possibly end it, the, you know, the way that it does is yeah, very potent and very clean and it's amazing. Yeah. Because <laughs> so the, the closest thing to, like, a, an overall plot tension thing is, like, will she stay with, um, what's his name? David, is it Strayhorn or Strayhorn? Strayhorn. He's great in it. He's a great actor. I like that guy. Me too. And he is. He's very affable, sweet. Their relationship is really sweet. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the tension of whether or not she's going to stay with him isn't even really that tense no and it's not really that much of a question you know it's yeah. kind of like i mean you do get some kind of finality i guess when you when she's at her sister's place and all those people are like real estate agents that like made a boom right you know what i mean and you're like ah oh, that's and you know, she that's calls foul. out and yeah i guess you could kind of see that coming a little bit but well and it's a little strange because her sister her sister does point out kind of this problem, like I said earlier, like about being able to ask for help yeah. is something that we're taught to be so ashamed of when right. you're in a situation like that. She has many people offer to help her and she refuses. Yeah. Right off the bat, she has a lady say, you can stay with us, you know, mm-hmm. her little daughter been tutored or whatever. And her sister is like, I have not like, I haven't been trying to alienate you any more than you've been letting yourself be alienated. Right. And it's like, uh, kind of shows her the privilege of like even having people that are willing to help you a yeah. little bit, yeah. you know, because there's plenty of other people that she encounters that the only people they have to help them are the other nomads, you know, yeah, they exactly. got to look out for each other and, yeah. you know, and she helps that lady with her, or, and then she asked that lady to help her with her tire and she's mm. like, you got to know how to yeah. take care of yourself, darling. Yeah. Great stuff. That's a, I, that woman must be an actress because she was fantastic. 
That movie easily could have been about that character and her oh, journey. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, I'm dying and I just want to go back to this last place before I die. Yeah. And, like, that could have been a, a much darker like yeah because one thing this movie did well you and i have been talking about is like it's really depressing and sad but at the same time like very beautiful and uplifting yeah it definitely did not like crunch my spirit in any way you know no yeah no it makes you feel like a renewal of spirit but at the same time like take the pill of the reality of the world that we live in right now yeah you know and be realistic about it yeah it's not uh it's funny seeing that compared like she goes by at one point she walks by a movie theater and the movie playing is the avengers (laughs) and you're like they've made like four of those so this could have been set any time in the last 10 years sure oh sure and it wouldn't have mattered Uh and the irony of like yeah we go see people go see those goddamn superhero movies and escape from reality but like Uh stop ignoring reality like Right. This woman's living in in yeah. our world, yeah. you know. You can watch this movie for free on Hulu right now. Yeah, and you should. But very cool. I'm loving that. I I think that if I had seen this movie in theaters, I would be even more obsessed with it. The I'm sure that seeing that that seeing, scope. Yeah, that's. It's, I mean, it's like a, it's like a Terrence Malick movie. You know, like you show the like enormity of the space that they're in. You know, it's fucking great. It makes you appreciate the the landscape of living in the southwest you know like i am glad to know that like my time on this earth will have been spent mostly like in this kind of area of the world and like that movie makes you see those images and be like man this is why people wanted to like keep going west they were like look at how cool it looks out there when the sun Mm. is fucking setting seriously yeah, they really, they really, uh, they they jumped all over all of their golden hours. <laughs> There's a lot of the, There's a lot of sunsets and a lot sunrises. Of great sunsets, yeah, you can tell they were up. Uh huh. Oh they yeah. They were crazy hours shooting this. I bet. Yeah, I bet that it was not a luxurious <laughs> shoot by any means. But it looks fucking great. I wonder how many times they had to shoot Frances McDormand using her her bathroom for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> You had to know that was coming. Well, that keeps it real, you know. Yeah. Like oh that. yeah, you got to do that. And you have to put I'm that in sure there. Friend Knox, I'm indisposed. <laughs> yeah, man, could be any one of us. Seriously, and it will very likely be more and more of us. Yeah. At the rate we're going. <sighs> well, that's kind of a depressing note to leave it, but I'm t- but I'm telling you guys, this movie is uplifting. But yeah, we got to look out for each other. That's yeah. the real takeaway. Is you know. Yeah. We're not in this alone. Even no. though it no, no, seems no. like it sometimes. It does. Well, there you go. That's a shorter little episode for you. We'll, uh... You guys aren't going to talk about sports games in this one or anything? No, football's done. Me and Kyle are going to do a... We'll, we'll maybe do a hot little hoops around the All-Star break, which is shortly. Nice. Nice. That stuff's starting to heat up, so we've got topics. How's my guy doing? The Nets are good, man. Yep. I think the Nets are going to win the title this Hell time. Hell yeah, good. As long as Durant's Then I'll be healthy. invested. Fuck yeah. I can't wait. June will be a great time. Oh yeah. That'll be a great time to be alive. Oh yeah. Hopefully by then we'll all have a couple shots. Yeah. We'll be, we'll have a fucking movie in the can. Yeah. Nets, Lakers, finals. It's going to be cool. Speaking of which, if any of you listeners out there are interested in uh, supporting any project that we're working on, uh, 
put the GoFundMe link in the bio. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll we'll uh, we'll put it in there. Check it out and uh, see if you want to support us uh, putting our money where our mouth is. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> you know I love to do that. All right. All right. See you later, suckers. Bring me tears.